Okay, so. Test, 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 test. Looks like it's doing something. All right, well. Test, 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 test. We're doing our best here. It's Welcome Podcast. Uh, it's me, Michael Russell. Gary Okazaki. Gary the foodie. What? We've got Peter Cho on hand. There's a dog at my feet. He probably isn't supposed to be here. And our special guests today are... Introduce yourselves. Uh, this is Jeremiah Stone. This is Fabian von Hausk. Hi guys. Welcome to Portland. And you guys are here behind this very cool cookbook. A very serious cookbook. Which I have a copy of right here. And... Uh, how are you guys liking Portland so far? It's not Portland. Yeah. How are the snacks? Best <laughs> snacks, greatest snacks. Snacks that make you think. It's all good. Love it. Um, you guys did a dinner last night. You're doing another one today. So I guess like the first question that came to my mind is like, why did you guys decide to write a cookbook? Well, we actually, you know, we resisted the idea uh, at first when we were approached to do a cookbook because. You know, we were very busy with the restaurants that we had, um, and I think that we we were really um, swayed by the idea that it was going to be a long process and that, you know, it was something to look at in the future. So when we had started writing it, um, it, was, oh, it took it was a two-year process, uh, and it was, it was really a nice way of putting everything that we've been doing for the last, you know, two years and then the time capsule all the way, and, um, you know, relationships, different stories, um, kind of, you know, even the recipes and the photos, it really marked a, a certain time for us. And also, there's a lot of things in the book that are things that we continue to do and, and um, philosophies that we, we stand by. Um, and I think that that was interesting to us because we're, we're generally not the type of people to do recipes and um, to document what we what we do in the restaurants because it's such a, a night to night um, experience that we're always you know starting over starting fresh and um, so the, so doing the book was was something that was kind of challenging for us and I think that's what uh, appealed to us. Did you guys have a co-author? We did. Yes, we worked with um, Allison Roman, uh, who she um, really took control of a lot of the writing. And um, helping us out with the recipes. She has uh, her own book called Dining In. Um, and that's pretty special, successful book in its own right. And um, yeah, so we got to work with her and we worked with a, a photographer named uh, Maddie Kim, who um, this is his first cookbook, or first book, first project, first job ever. First job ever. <laughs> <laughs> he was born yesterday. What's his What's his nickname now? Baby Slaw. Baby Slaw. Baby Slaw. Is it difficult when working on this cookbook um, to to? I mean, you have two different viewpoints and trying to come to some understanding between the, your viewpoint, the two of your viewpoints. Is it difficult? But same way with the, in the kitchen, there's two of you and you co-chefs, co-owners. Is that Is there? I mean, is that easy? 
Yeah, it's pretty easy to an extent, like, where... I mean, it makes your life easier to have someone else, you know? So I think we're, we're the kind of people that we think that we just work better together than, than like, separately. I mean, I'm sure we would be fine separate, but just... I mean, the bouncing of ideas and just knowing that you can rely on someone else and... It's just... I mean, the, the way you develop yourself as a, as a chef or as, you know, as a person, as an individual... I think having someone else to guide you to like sort of become the person you want to be is very helpful. And it's also very interesting, you know, I think a lot of people struggle finding their own perspective. So when you have someone close who like knows what you're doing and like sort of knows you, then it's very, it's very helpful to have them guide you and whatnot. So each dish that you do at the restaurant is a collaboration between the two of you pretty much? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think that um, we have very distinct point of views, but where they come together is are, are really the more important things. Like I think what we, the way we maybe plate something, uh, or the way that you know the, it would kind of the the way that a dish would originate is very different uh, for us. But you know we have a very similar kind of approach to flavors I think you know and that's like that goes from the balance of flavors to uh, the combination but we work with you know we have different interests in the way that we work with you know I'm very um, driven by going to the market and, and using different things and, but we've kind of also learned to you know how, how we work um, you know, so Fabian will say oh this dish you know don't you want to put something kind of like bitter and like kind of herbaceous and you know that I don't know if that's always been the case, but that that'll be like something that um, we both will see eye to eye on. That maybe he knows that like over the years I, I'm like always have an interest in like those kind of flavors, and so he's like, I think this is you know that's part of working together is not just putting your own viewpoint in in, in a dish or an idea, but allowing or kind of helping the other person make you know making suggestions that um, you know you think the other person would would benefit from so like you know maybe if it's it's kind of referencing something you've done in the past or um, you know just saying well I know that you your style is not really like that and this seems like a very different for your style so I think that's that's kind of one way that we work together a lot um, is just kind of giving each other a bit of you know sometimes it's a reminder sometimes it's a it's a perspective that that's different um, but just bringing it back to like something very familiar. Can you just walk us through quickly how you guys came to open your first restaurant and eventually now three places in New York? Yeah, we we opened uh, five years ago. You guys already know each other? I mean, how'd you guys Yeah, meet? Yeah, we know each other for, for a while. Um, we had met through um, uh, the French Culinary Institute in New York and, and uh, chef, or, uh, um, the bar owner named Dave Arnold. Has a place called Booker in Dax. Well, now it's called Existing Conditions uh, in New York, and he was working at, at the school. Um, we had met through through him, um, just working in different events together. Um, I was working at the school, and I was was interning with with um, Dave Arnold, who focuses mostly on kind of food science and um, you know hydrocolloids, and, um, you know working with um, technology and food, uh, and that was something at the time that was, you know, um, 
very big. And so we, we were working together, um, and that was 2008, maybe. Um, and we had both uh, kind of, you know, we were working in restaurants and decided to move to Europe. Um, I think Fabian's visa was, or um, passport or whatever, her visa was up, um, and so he was going to leave the U.S. And I was going to go um, just to kind of see something different. I never lived abroad, so uh, I moved to Paris and he moved to, to Denmark pretty much around the same time. Um, we stayed there for quite a bit of time, and during that time we, we formulated this idea of doing a restaurant together. And that was five years ago? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we moved back to New York in 2012 and started looking for a space that entire year, just working and consulting and looking for a space, and we found something at the very end of 2013. It was kind of a surprise last year when it was announced that Anthony Mangieri was going to move from San Francisco back to New York. And he was working with the two of you to open up Una Pizza Napolitana? Napolitana. Napolitana. And how did that come to fruition? Through um, Danny Bowen, actually. <laughs> yeah, Danny Bowen introduced um, me and Anthony. Uh, Anthony had, uh, I mean, um, Danny had known that we were, you know, he knows the restaurants, he knows the way we work, and I had um, wanted to come to a pop-up that Anthony was doing at Mission, um, and I've been a big fan of Anthony's Pizza since 2005, um, when he was in, in the East Village in New York, and Danny said, you know, hey, you guys should talk, like, go say hi, you know, and da-da-da, and he had already basically talked to Anthony, Anthony wanted to move back, and I didn't know that. So he was kind of matchmaking us in a way, um, and he said, you know, these guys might like I, they they might be a good fit for something because I know that Jeremiah is a big fan of yours, you know, and the work you do, and this would be something interesting to do, um, knowing that he wanted to move back to New York. It's super rare for a restaurant just to, like pick up stakes and move across the country, and then for them to do it like all over again in reverse. It's just like I've never even heard of that happening before. Yeah, I mean, I think he spent a good time in, in San Francisco, and I think, you know, one of the main reasons he wanted to move out there was, um, you know, he was just starting a family, and, um, you know, he had always lived on the East Coast, and just seeing something very different, and he loves the outdoors, running, hiking, mountain biking, um, so that was a good opportunity for that, but um, I think he wanted to move closer to home, New Jersey, um, Italy for his wife, and... Uh, something that was, you know, I think San Francisco's just been changing so much that, you know, he became a little disillusioned with that city. He was more interested in either being out in, in the wild and in the woods and, and biking or being back in, you know, New Jersey or New York, so. Like, Peter and I were talking this morning and he was sort of saying that you guys are sort of in a, kind of like a new school of cooking for New York, even since he left just a few years ago. I mean, guys had already opened, but it, it, do you think that that's true? I mean, you, do you guys feel like you're part of a new school or a new movement? And if so, like, how would you describe what that is? I think when when we opened, there were a, a series of restaurants that opened around the same time. And, like, we were definitely part of that group. And, like, I mean, I think we were part of, I think there's, like, a newer group than, than ours. I think we're part of, like, you know, Stella. I mean, like, Samia was there. 
don't know what else was Asuka. I mean, but I think like it's just like the the city just keeps evolving so much, and there's just so many restaurants that open all the time. That is pretty crazy. Um, so you want to move over a bit? The sun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that um, you know, we we kind of wanted to to open a restaurant in a way where you know we were the owners, we made the decisions, um, you know, find investment, open a restaurant, and kind of build it from the ground up. Um, and not have uh, maybe a partner that was already in restaurants or have a theme or some kind of you know, concept to fill. It was more that it uh, started on our end. And I think that's similar with a lot of the restaurants. Um, you know, it's, it's not always possible. It's, it's difficult to find um, money in the space and, and have those ideas and have that experience in, in being able to do that. But I think that that's really direction of what most chefs probably would like to go um, yeah. it's there's a lot of risk you know there's more risk than opening a restaurant with a backer who you know has several other concepts and you're just kind of filling a role it could be anyone you know that's that's it's a nice safety net and it's also there's there's a lot of resources to pull from but you know when we opened we, we wanted to pick out this silverware train the front of the house staff we wanted to um, you know, really, you know, the, you know, creating the wine list was a really big part um, uh, of the restaurant in the beginning. And I think, you know, there's some chefs that just really want to focus just on the food. So for us, it was kind of like a no-brainer to, to do that. That's the outgrowth from Contra to Wild Air is the interest in wine. No, I think, I mean, we always had an interest in wine. It was just at Contra when we opened. So Contra, there's a dining room and then there's a small bar. And when we opened, the idea of the bar was that it was going to be a la carte. And like we always, I mean, when we opened, we had like cheese, like like selection of cheeses, cured meats. And we always wanted the bar to be sort of like where people came in and hang out and just had a glass of wine, like a couple of small plates. And we used to do a la carte at the bar from the menu. And then just the tasting menu caught up with like everyone who came in just had the tasting menu as opposed to anything else we were offering. And that was that's sort of what we couldn't achieve with the bar is what we wanted to do with Wilder. So we just wanted to have a place that was louder, like small plates, a ton of wine, and yeah, just like a little more casual stuff. Yeah, they're very similar. Um, I think the reason why they don't like cannibalize each other is just the fact that one has a set menu. That's a big difference. I mean, some, sometimes there's even like overlapping dishes, but I mean, the style of food has really changed over the years to kind of reflect the clientele and I think that um, you know there is a there's a distinction there but you know we're, we're always there the same kind of you know people come to both places but it's different enough where I think you know if you don't have any choices that it just eliminates like a, a large um, portion of the, of the population because they just want to you know maybe come in and have a, two bites and, and that's the thing is like a lot of a lot of people um, find you know, do two dinners, or maybe they're going to eat really quick, and then, you know, go to a show or something. So it allows it to be a little bit more fluid, whereas uh, we've really built the Contra experience to just be, that's that's your whole night. Even though it's, you know, two hours, people come for special occasions, they're not going to another meal most of the time. So, you know, we still have people to try to fit in Contra in other places as well. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be Gary. <laughs> That'd be Gary. Did it work? Did you... Was it success where you... Yeah. 
what, what amazed me about my country meal is it was ridiculously delicious, but it was so inexpensive. Like I don't know how you could charge yeah, what you charge in New York City. How much is it? Right now? Seventy-eight. Really and then Gary says we should raise it fifty percent. Charge more. Well, it does feel, and this is another thing Peter and I were talking about. It does feel like there's been kind of a shift in the, what a tasting menu is. You know, we, there was this time right around when you guys opened where the tasting menu felt like it had to be one hundred and fifty, one hundred ninety-five dollars, and it was this super exclusive thing. And now. I was just in New York and we recommended I go to Atterbury and that's like 42 bucks for a three course menu. Yeah, I mean, like we. It's so much more accessible now. Yeah, I mean, I think. We're five you know, courses. Yeah. Been. I think if you're going to charge a lot of money, you need to have like like someone supporting you financially like and you need to create an experience and you need to like do like a lot of things that require a lot of like work from behind. And I mean, like us, we're independent owners, you know, it's just the two of us and. I mean, first and mostly, I, we don't like eating like that, really. You know, we don't like to go out and have, like, a four-hour meal. And, like, I really don't like food that is super precious. And I think, you know, the book is just a reflection of that. Is you know, we take ourselves not very seriously regarding ourselves and, like, you know, how we behave. But we take, you know, our cooking extremely seriously. So, for us, it was, we always wanted to have a place that was fun. Like you could come in like if if you were at home and you just wanted like a nice interesting meal you could be like oh you know let's go to contra it'll take us like an hour and a half two hours and it'll be like 78 dollars you know instead of like having to plan something so ahead and like and you go and like you sit down and then just like, like all these little plates and like all these like different little things and it's i mean it's it's cool but i also think there's something to be said for like a very down-to-earth experience that offers like an interesting thing you know yeah, I, mean, I think we, we try to fight the tasting menu name and label for a while, but it just, you know, it's like anything, like, you know, we're not alternative music, we're, you know, it's like, sometimes you just have to give in because it's a reference for people to understand, and we kept saying we were a set menu, set menu, prefix, you know, nobody knew what set menu meant, you know, we were just trying to say, hey, when you come in, you have a series of dishes, um, you know, and not you're not going to have bites, which... Um, which I thought was important because for people to understand that when they yeah. come they'll be full. Um, you know, it's the food is. It's not a study on, on like a, on beef. You know, it's just like we got nice beef and we saw like nice vegetables at the market. So like, let's just cook them. Yeah, together. we we you know like there's a lot of places that we were inspired by whether it's in, in, you know different parts of Europe and we thought okay this is I mean in for forever that's been the, a format and you know especially in eating in Paris is like it's not. It's just a um, being able to have, you know, a starter, um, a middle course, a main, a dessert, you know, a structure to a meal. So we follow a structure. You know, you always get a fish course, you get a meat course, you get a vegetable course, and it's just kind of what we set out to do. And I think a tasting menu sometimes seems like it's going to be you're going to have like a small, tiny bite of something that's very special, and then it goes to, you know, you're not going to somebody whisks that plate away and they bring something else and people sit with the plates you know sometimes for 20 minutes because there's several bites to it um, but we wanted it to, to you know not feel like it was going to be something that people are going to be like oh it's like finger food I'll be hungry in like an hour um, and that's how we, we originally opened and you know we tried to de decrease the size of the portions a little bit to be able to fit in some more dishes and so now we're doing like six six to seven courses a night and 
uh, it's still, I mean, you, you ate the food, it's very light, it's very, um, you know, we, we try not to use too much fat and too much, you know, there's hardly any carbs or any complex carbs, I guess, in the, um, in the menu, we don't use a lot of gluten, so, it, it, it eats a little bit lighter, it eats a little bit fresher. Oh, I think well, I think it's just you know associating uh, fine dining with tasting menus. It's hard. Yeah, how do you divorce that? I think I, I think we struggle with the same thing here. I, I call yeah. our menu a set menu, and yeah, often people are like, oh yeah, it's a tasting menu. We have to like come here for yeah. a special occasion. And it's also the entire you know yeah. day. It's the distance between like fine fine dining and like and fine food i mean like you know it's like yeah. we all the three of us like we care about food and we've worked at serious restaurants and like but i don't like you know i like i like like hard music i like you know i like a fun place i like you know it's just like and it's very hard to open a place that's not you but like the food is very serious you know and like how do you marry those two things together you know and i think that's what i mean like i think that's what our places are like i think that's what your place is like you know yeah, I mean, the food for us is like, I mean, you know, it, it really represents us because we're not the type of people to make, like, we don't make, like, stoner food uh, or, you know, it, it's just not who we are. We're not, like, I eat very light, so we cook very light, you know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't appreciate other styles. It's just, like, when I go and eat, if I have to eat something, like, huge and really fatty, it it's not it doesn't like really appeal to me as much so you know we get a lot of people who are kind of health conscious or you know it's not like we you know I'm, I think just by way of the you know cooking with fresh ingredients it tends to be healthier um, but you know we still use a ton of, we use butter we use um, you know um, dairy and stuff like that and we're no, you know, we use animal fats, but it's not really about limiting those things or cutting it out or making it, you know, all olive oil. It's just more um, in moderation. Everything kind of having a, a balance of how much you get of those things. Regarding the cookbook, now I, I I cannot cook, so is it, so even I could even it's a I medical condition. Could even <laughs> I do some of those recipes and create the yeah. dishes that you do? Is it? It's not like a Lindy cookbook. It's you need a yeah. you need a whole you know science lab to, to do one of the dishes. So I'm assuming it's more applicable to the home cook. Yeah, who's your who's your who was your intended reader? I mean, we really we really did we we thought okay, well cooks are gonna buy it right, and and chefs are gonna buy it because um, you know we hopefully there's some like fun interesting ways of approaching things, but we never there's no technique or really anything that's so you know over the top it's really if you read if you look at a recipe there's a lot of words mostly because it's explaining um, the reason you know we yeah. do things or how we're doing it so when you look at a recipe it's maybe only it's, it's only probably like three four ingredients it's like the, it has, the it little has, gem it's the little gem to make the little gem you need one head of lettuce a couple herbs and some butter yeah that's it and yeah, a blender you, you know I can do that yeah. But the but you might read a lot of it because it tells you like well this these are the different steps and I think once you over that part you read it and you're like okay these people just care and are specific about how it should be prepared so if we cook a piece of fish you know we want to cook it first like a you know very gently but it's not very easy to tell someone just cook a piece of fish for four minutes because there's going to be different sizes so it's it's the book is when you look at the recipes it's less cook a fish for four minutes and we're explaining how the texture of the fish should be 
how the texture of the beach should be and, and kind of the variables with getting there. It reads really like a sort of a reference book. I remember, so I did a stage at St. John um, and River Cafe in London, and what I found was so awesome was that their cookbooks just sit on the bookshelf, and they're all tattered. It's like the restaurant copy of the cookbooks, and there's notes written on it, but they're like, hey, we're going to do this dish for lunch today. Go check out, check it out, and you open it, and you, like, do the recipe out of the book. As a stage, that's what they, you know... Making making dishes out of the book was really awesome. And I don't I don't know like your menu I'm sure changes so often that it's yeah. not like that, but like it reads like that. It feels like you can just like take it off of your your kitchen uh, at your restaurant and be like, well, hey, it, it, we're it, doing even, a little gem today. Like go yeah. check out check even it out. Even though we change the menu, I think that it's even more reason that that applies in a yeah. way because um, you know sometimes it's like okay, so this dish is going to be you know if we come up with a new dish, it's not going to be we we still have a style, we still have a and a personality so it's not gonna be something so left field from what we do so if you open the book it's probably gonna pull from different dishes you know maybe the way the techniques the flavors and the, the ingredients are all gonna be pretty familiar things if you read through the book um, you know so we've we you know I've actually you know we putting another a new sous chef on board just you know I gave her a copy of the book and, uh, to read through and just this is the kind of restaurant that we are you know and not because one day you're going to have to make mackerel with the and peppers, but, you know, that's the kind of dish that you might see, and maybe we're going to do something where we're going to cook it the same way as that dish, but then the sauce is going to be different. And then there's another dish on that same menu that's going to utilize the technique there as well. So it's kind of just, you know, we have, a, we have our, our, our way of cooking monkfish, and that's the way we like it. We have our way of making, a, you know, a, a, an onion-based soup, and that's the way we like it, so... Why do you guys think that the, the way we go out to eat is shifting toward that lighter profile? Because I've seen it in Portland, too, at places like Tusk and maybe Jeans and a handful of other restaurants. It's like more vegetables, less fat. It makes sense on paper. Nobody wants to feel bad after they eat, but why didn't we think of that 15 years ago? Or why, why is it happening now? I think it's a direct correlation with the... Um and just health conscious yeah I mean like before if you were I mean we weren't in the industry for it but like you know back in the day being a chef was all about like handling proteins correctly or like a lot of like uses of fat and like you know uh, French cooking it's all about like luxury ingredients and cream and all these things and I think our generation like really shifted towards I mean that was there was like that modernist like school where like they started going into that and after that like what happened was just that we became interested in what grows from you know from the soil and like growing vegetables fruits I mean like locality um, and I think I mean that, that's what that's what we grew up with I mean at least me I feel like you know for me always the interest is it, it was more about like vegetables and fruits and like not in a way of like oh you know it's cool like the farm but it's like there's like the complexity of flavors that you can achieve you know i mean like fat in our menus i mean we always have a protein and a fish but there's a lot of like in the vegetable dishes we, we always use proteins more of like a flavoring like a flavor or like a little seasoning or something to add to a dish but i think that's how you create like more complex flavors and like more interesting dishes and I mean, it's also, you know, we all want to feel better, and there's, like, more, we're more of a health-conscious, like, generation than prior ones, or, like, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I, like I used to work a lot alongside um, the, the very um, esteemed uh, French chef Andre Soldner, who had Lutes in New York, and you know he he would always tell me like when he moved, you know, when the restaurant was really at its height, you go to the store, you can't find wild arugula, you can't, you know, they had bib lettuce, and that was like the newest thing. They had, like iceberg, you know, bib lettuce. Like there, he was saying like. It was years and years before finding, you know, these different ingredients. When he makes, you know, certain dishes, he uses like cream of wheat to make like gnocchi or gnocchi Parisian or like, you know, different. There's all these different things that he does a famous, um, like, uh, uh, dish with um, white bread as the crust of a like a pomme town and like that's come. That's the 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 generation that he was that he came to. You know, like coming from the countryside and having all, you know, raising your own chickens and stuff like that, that was how he knew how to cook. And then coming to America, you know, the limited amount of uh, ingredients he had access to. So if you imagine, I mean, that's the 60s, but if you imagine, like, who had learned in, in those restaurants and passing that on is, you know, we're, we're at a point now, you can go to the market in New York and get 14 different kinds of varieties of heirloom tomatoes. 10 kinds of lettuces, if not more, um, you know, so we're, and it's, you know, the markets and the, the desire to find interesting herbs and vegetables is, it's at an all-time high, so, you know, I think that is, is directly in line with how people eat, because, you know, when we cook, like, a lot of times we barely want to cook something, you know, or when we put together a dish, rather, um, you know, some of the techniques that we use are just taking some vegetables, and, and they go into a, a pan that, is just warmed up and taken off the heat and it just gets tossed with a little bit of, of brown butter or something or if we cook a like cabbage it goes into a pot stir it around put a lid on and it's in there for maybe four seconds and and it's like really you know you can't you can only do that when you're working with really great ingredients with you know integrity and, and they have a lot of flavor that you want to showcase and I think that you know the older generation um, had to work with a lot of kind of ingredients that maybe didn't have that, you know, like you, more commodity um, produce, as you say, and just, they had to braise it, make a sauce for it, you know, serve it with, with like, you know, gratiné with cheese or something, and it's delicious, and those things really are amazing, because um, they're inventions and they're creative ideas, um, you know, but maybe we're making ourselves seem less talented but we just really want to put together like you know really beautiful fish really great vegetables and you know that I mean I think it's a different skill set but it's uh, that's definitely how we operate I mean at least myself um, is I try to do as little as possible and, and and a lot of the work we do is sourcing 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 yeah I also try to do as little as possible Peter <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions? um yeah, I guess, you know, I was talking to you earlier about it, and it, I think I, you know, I think it's really awesome that uh, I think social media has changed the way we document things, and so I feel like, you know, you guys had a had a desire to sort of catalog your your um, sort of the beginnings of Contra via the book, and I think that's really awesome. Um, uh, I don't know, it's it's just. It's, I watched from afar, 
and I went to eat at Contra uh, before I moved back. And that, it, like that kind of cooking, that kind of dining, a lot of the that um, influenced, you know, what what I do. Did it seem radical to you? I mean, you were working. It was very new. Right? It was very new, and that's why I kind of mentioned them being sort of part of a new school of or a new generation of restaurants because it it did. It came at a time where a lot of other restaurants opened that were very a lot more European. It seemed for me, um, in my experience working, uh, you know, it it was very different. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess. I want to know a little bit more about like year one of Contra. Like, what did you feel like? What what was there for you? It, to we blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> we put it, like, we blocked it away into a memory. <laughs> I mean, I think openings are hard. I think I, you know there are there are good chunks of time yeah. in the first year of we, you know, I mean, everything we had, that we had like a lot I of fun. It was it was it was really interesting for us because you know we didn't have a manager when uh-huh. we opened. We didn't have a manager. We didn't. We had a sous chef who had very little experience in making the food that we yeah. were interested in. He was a great worker, and he was someone who had experience as a you know as a sous chef in the city. But kind of speaking, like to it being a new idea, a new school, he was definitely participating in the old school in a way. Yeah. And we, but he was a friend. We took him on, and like, um, you know, there's a lot of instances like that where we just there's a lot of sculpting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, because there's no frame of reference for them really, and I feel yeah. like I, I right. kind of struggle with that a little bit because like not a lot of my cooks know Korean food at all. Yeah. So I'm like trying to take them to mm-hmm. you know Beaverton to go to like a mom and Nike mom Nike and pop uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like a mom and pop right, type right. like family restaurant, but it doesn't quite translate. Right. I mean, it's it's I something mean, that like you you know it's like. It's who you are. Right. It's, it's hard. It's, to, it's, 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 it's not just like showing them what you've seen because you've seen not just that, but some, you know, and maybe yeah. it's, or maybe you've yeah. seen that 150 times. But for us, like, you know, when, when I moved to um, France, I was also, I mean, I was a person that I went and I had a notebook um, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to work in a restaurant. I brought my notebook and I had all these different um, times and temps, um, you know, cooking things, low temperature sous vide. I had measurements. I had you know, for different hydrocolloids, and not that I was, like, working, like, so, but we, we, we had done a lot of work like that, and that was in a lot of restaurants that I had worked at kind of had some frame of that in the food, and, um, you know, I had a certain idea of what I was going to be doing when I got to France, and the job, I, I took a job as a sous chef of a very small place where there was, you know, really just two people working under me, and all, and I had a cook, you know, it was me and then the, the head chef, and we cooked all the food, like all the hot food, and so everything was hands-on. Roasting all the meat, we would get a whole, we would get three whole lamb, or two, two whole baby lamb, um, four whole fish, and you know, twenty-five pigeon. And we only had uh, like uh, reach-in fridges, like low boys, five low boys, and you did two services, and that was like every day you got things like that, and try to figure out how to put it away, how to get all the sauce work and everything done by lunch and then continue it into dinner and it was a lot of like you know I did I threw away that notebook where I didn't even take it out I was like okay like it didn't matter what we were doing here is like the food was so fresh and going to the market or just receiving you know we would receive a box of carrots and herbs and they would all just be packed in dirt and you know learning about um, you know the integrity of all these different products because there were, the quality was so high and I think that um, I mean, even in France, like, you know, traditionally, a lot of those restaurants, they're getting great product, but it's coming from, like, all over Europe, and, and 
it's, it's even new for them in a way, um, believe it or not, like in Paris, just working with farmers, working with, um, you know, smaller growers, because that's something that, I mean, I think it's kind of happening all around the world, but even when I got to Paris, it was in the beginnings of that where um, farmers would directly ship stuff or drop off stuff to to uh, restaurants because I think it's kind of there's a romantic idea that you know you go to the market and you pick up some vegetables and you put it into like a little basket on your bike and that's how the restaurants work but those markets are sourcing their product from like a big warehouse outside of Paris where they're getting you know produce from Morocco or Spain or Israel and it's it's not as it's not it's not working as closely with the, the growers as you as you think so that that wasn't a renaissance that was kind of happening in Paris like 10 years ago, um, just being a little bit more direct with the growers. So that kind of, I was always shopping in the market and that kind of just brought it back to that was realizing what we had on our hands, you know, in our backyard in New York was just like such great access to actually working with the farmers on what they're growing, you know, when they're picking it uh, and what they're going to plant for the next year. Cool, guys. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I don't think there's any chance that this podcast goes up today, but if, you know, <laughs> if, there's, if it happens to, hey, they're doing a party tonight at Han Oak, and you should drop by at like 9 Yeah. get drunk. Yes. But thanks, you guys. Sweet. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me.